Hello, and welcome to Miss D's Lunacy. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing to you someone special. Her love of nature is her underlying passion. Her work has flourished over 30 years, and she charms everyone, but her work has become so special and unique as she is, and she is going to tell us all about her evolution and spirit. Please welcome the artist, Karen Moody Tompkins. Thank you, Miss D. So glad for you to join us. I'm glad to be here. Okay, well, she's very special. Karen has participated in over 40 solo and group exhibitions during the course of her career. She studied painting and drawing at the Academy of Fine Art in Rome and at the Pratt Institute Graduate School in Brooklyn, New York. Her work is included in numerous private, corporate, and museum collections all over the world. So we have got to hear how she did this. So Karen, how did you become so fabulous? Oh, darling, well, the main thing that just inspired me no end from age six up was nature. I was an only child. I didn't have as much entertainment with other children. So inevitably I would draw, paint. My my parents were really interested in my doing that. And that one moment I remember, I was in first grade, my my teacher was ecstatic about something I'd done with seashells and the beach, and she showed it to my mother, and my mother beamed. It was the biggest thrill for her for some reason, and I looked up at both of them, and I went, hmm, art makes people happy. There you go. So that was sort of the initial real inspiration, that art makes people happy. It and made me happy. It did, and seemed to everybody else, but then you evolved. And you started using these amazing processes with actual leaves and photographs. So everybody wants to understand this process because it's rather complicated. Well, the thing I, I started to really delve into was looking at nature as architecture. Each way that the leaves spin on a stem is, is very specific. And it's like this giant... Uh, textbook of engineering, really. So I started studying how these incredible uh, plants and foliage and things were engineered. And that way, it made me have like this innate uh, appreciation of all the patterns in nature and how, oh my God, you know, uh, when you think about the universe and the intelligence and the incredible genius, it just sort of it actually blows your mind a bit, right? It does. It's so complex. And then you were able to get into that because the process is very complicated. I mean, you have to scan, you have to do photographs, you have to then paint. It's remarkable. And so many galleries have represented you, done your first series for quite some time, which have all sold out. And I have some, which I'm so thrilled about. But now you went into a whole nother stratosphere, which included the science and the technology of what you saw in depth. And let's talk about that. Well, first of all, I, I really love a film called The Powers of Ten by Charles and Ray Eames. And in it, they were commissioned by IBM to depict, through visuals, the entire universe. So that, that was one capsu encapsulated look at nature. And I thought, oh my God, how would I depict the entire universe because it's out there it's being depicted in the Hubble and the micro uh, electron microscopes you know and everything in between and as an artist you digest all those images and I thought well maybe the, the only way I could do it would be if I painted the 118 elements in the periodic table because they compose the universe you me it that 
all of it. And that's what you said to me. You said you connect everything and we're connected with nature and we're connected with the universe. We really don't think about that particularly. I mean, the fact that we're walking on a ground that's spinning around and all that, nobody's supposed to figure out that everything is connected. And this was very much your 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 technique and your thought pattern which brought you to this area because we're all part of the same universe and we're connected, which I thought was fascinating. So talk to me about that. Well, thank you. I don't know. There's a wonderful quote. Uh, we're all star stuff from Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's the most famous astronomer right now. And we are. We are made. All the elements were birthed in stars that were exploding. And so, uh, yes, literally, quite literally, again, we are all connected. That's and amazing. I don't even know what the name of the theory is. I think it's called, well, in, in any case, it's that the universe is an organism. Isn't so as you said, nothing is separate, and uh, each individual has the the capacity to be a part of that with their own uh, mind engaging in it and not being feeling like a separate entity. You know, we all can connect. Ex- we don't think of it, but it is absolutely true. Now, you did something absolutely formidable, which is with the Galileo, and you wanted to go to Rome and go to the Academy of Art in Rome. How in the world did you go about that? Well, the, the fun thing is it was a full circle for me because of having gone to art school in Rome. So when I realized that you could apply to be a visiting artist, I thought that would be such a great connection for my early work, my early study, to evolve into this residency at the academy and be again in Rome, where I felt so much influence long ago to see what that has become. And it became Galileo because of my interest in science. I immediately gravitated towards him. And the minute oh. I got on that track, it was like the whole universe started unfolding. Because, it's like the train just yeah. got out of the station <laughs> and just kept on going, right? Exactly. So, But the process was very interesting because I'm sure artists would love to know how you went about it because it's complicated. So you I, have to get an application. You've got Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to you know, make a proposal of the work that you want to do. And then when you get your application accepted, you know, then the work began because you have to know that you're going to be working just a short period of time and to make it all valuable and and, and impactful. You have to really work hard before you get there. So you did all your research? Yes. On Galileo? I went to Columbia to the Society Library and I got original 1610 books of his that were describing his findings and original Sidereus Nucius, which said that there were these cliffs and mountains on the moon, which changed the everything because apparently the church and everyone since Aristotle had believed otherwise, that the universe out there was perfect and immutable and we were the only imperfect. So therefore he turned upturned the apple cart immediately. But what was so fascinating is he did this telescope thing. Exactly. He got. He realized this is a technology you can turn to the stars. It was only being used in the very beginning. He knew the technology in the very beginning, but it was only being used on the Earth to look at distances. So the minute he turned it up and saw the craters on the moon, he saw the four phases, the four Jovian moons. He saw sunspots. But and he made the lenses. Yeah. He but became the expert. How did he make them? He went to Venice, and he got the best glassmakers of his day. He was a genius. He was mathematically very, very genius, and he could figure out practically anything and describe it mathematically, and he said that the language of the universe and God is mathematics, and so that was his key to his success in a way. 
So he built the first microscope in 16-something or other? He was 1610, and he actually demonstrated it. It's what was really interesting at the uh, property that is now the American Academy. He went to Rome, and I didn't know that when I started making my journey with him. I did not know that he had actually demonstrated this telescope, which is the pivotal moment when he made everyone aware of his findings at the Academy on that property. That's where he lived? He showed it. it w- there was a place called the Casa Rustica, and the Academy is above, a little bit above on a hill. And so it provided this clear view, and that's why he was up there showing the, you know, the dignitaries and the pontiffs and everyone, look, look, this is the universe. This is the, what's really there, not what you've been believing all these centuries and millennia. No, no, no. And they didn't like that. <laughs> and I think they made some problems for him. It was a constant battle. He he really he was amazingly uh, revolutionary, and I found that the one thing that was available that was intriguing to me the most was his sunspot drawings at the Vatican. That was the thing that started really fo- getting me focused. And so he told them that we were not the only planet, right? That the sun was the center of the universe, and they went gaga. Right. And so then they tried to put him in prison, but they ended up putting him in. Uh, House arrest. house arrest because the Medici's and all that didn't want to listen to this because he was so controversial. Is that correct? It is. And he, for some time, would be in balance with them. They'd say, well, you can continue your study, but don't publish. Or you can continue your study, but don't teach you know, uh, heliocentrism. And so for a while, they, they, they were in a stasis that everything was all right. But the minute he came out again with some of his more radical thoughts, and depending on who the pope was, things got heated again. So and inevitably, he just he he made everyone very angry because he wouldn't stop, and it upturned everything the church believed in. And so, did he live a long time? Was he able to continue his research? He wrote one of his very, very most authoritative books while he was in house arrest until the end of his life. But the one thing that was, I believe, like a salve to him was the fact that his daughter was, she was a nun, and her nunnery was near him. So they corresponded, and that was something of a a blessing for him in the end. But where was his wife? Did he have one? He never married. She was his mistress, they called it, and they had three children, the son and two daughters, and the daughters were nuns. Oh. Yeah. So, but he was very close to the daughters. Well, that's very good. So, you started to, well, the fact that you got accepted was divine because, I mean, they took three months or something. It was a very long wait for you, which must have made you very nervous. And, and they were, how many in residence? Because it's a small group that they accept. Well, what happens is they have a whole different discipline. So, they may have 10 artists at one time, uh, 10 medieval scholars, 10 Renaissance scholars, 10 architects. I mean, I'm, not, I'm dividing it up arbitrarily, but there were so many different disciplines there. So, that's what makes it special is that mixture of, of intellectual pursuits and then hopefully the collaborations. And they, pr- and they kind of promote this by having an enormous table, one long table. And there can be 80 people there, and all of them are, are having having different research and they're all having this incredible conversation. So in a way that was really a highlight was having all those really great conversations. So much intelligence coming through. It was almost like a vortex of minds. I mean, you could probably almost think what the person was thinking next door. 
It was fascinating. And they were all working together. And they all have, you know, maybe very specific things, like there are epigraphers which come, and there's a group of, say, 20 of them for a week, and then there's others, you know, who are more of the archaeology bent, and it just keeps rotating out, some of it. How long were you there for? I was there for almost a month. So how many paintings did you accomplish? Because I know you do different mediums, but this was mostly oils at this time? It was oil on canvas, but at the beginning I've been working on insulation board, which is really malleable and you can work with it, but I couldn't take that with me. So uh, this worked and it, it was really a good thing because I could accomplish more quick, more quickly. And you have to have different stages. I do a, a implementing with indentations, then I do a gesso, then I do a oil, then I do a sanding, and then I do gold leaf. So it's a process. Whoa. It's a process. But that's just for, I mean, you do hundreds. You, how many did you accomplish? Because I saw your studio, and I mean, they were just uh, so Chock-a-block. <laughs> chock-a-block. How many? So this series in itself is, is 20, but that is spawned by the having done 118 in the elements and having all those as my kind of uh, research into the patterns in nature. So when I saw the sunspots, it was a it was a, a sort of epiphany knowing that how well it fit with the rest of the work. So it's kind of seamless. It's gone from elements to astronomy of a man named Messier, Charles Messier, to the astronomy of Galileo. So I'm big into the galaxies and the star clusters. The work is so spellbinding. Thank it you. It is so... They're large paintings, number one, and they just, they really look like sunspots, but they look like sort of DNA particles moving together. I mean, there's just such an amazing intensity of those paintings. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I think they're wonderful. I mean, you just stare at them and you've got, there's helixes and all sorts of things. And so you were able to be able to be that creative, because you are, and as an artist you have your particular mindset, but you used also a telescope. I did, and in my studio I have a telescope and a microscope, as you know. And it's amazing. I mean, you were showing me the helixes of a building that was, I don't know, how many miles away, <laughs> rectangles, and I mean, they looked so divine. I mean, it was almost... And then now you're working with these hexagons, I think they call I am, because I decided I wanted to keep uh, the revolutionary spirit of Galileo's um, astronomy and where it's evolved to. And then the most recent uh, telescope is going to be the John Webb Space Telescope that NASA's developing and will launch, and it'll be so much more powerful than the Hubble that God knows what they're going to find. It'll be so exciting. Well, I, so how are you going to get to see that? I used a lot of research again and imagery and things and I realized that the uh, mirror of it is going to be a hexagon. So I have created a piece that's 19 hexagons that fit together and then they'll have different sunspots as I find which ones sort of have a, a symmetry and a harmony. I'll put them on the different hexagons and that'll be the piece. It's unbelievable. Now, where is this work of yours? Where, you know, our guests need to know where we can find you. I mean, you do have a website, correct? Yes, it's KarenTompkins.com. And we can see all of it. And them. the story about Rome, I did a blog called Sunspots on Tumblr. And it kind of gives you the, the quick rundown of how the, the uh, Academy acceptance went and how the 
thread of thought about Galileo went. Um, but I have to quickly add my really highlight. I'm not stopping. My I'm highlight of, of, yes. of being in Rome was that I had really wanted to see the original sunspot drawings that he did by his hand. He was a great artist, by the way. He wanted to be an artist in the first place, but his family said no. So he had these sunspot drawings, and because he was so controversial, the Vatican kept them. Okay, which was not a good thing for Galileo, but in this day and age to still have them preserved. So I got to go through all the hoops you go through to go to the rare manuscripts and sit for five days and actually draw his original drawings. So that was, it was like communicating with him. That is so stunning. Stunning. And the fact that you had to do all the machinations. It was funny. Yeah. I mean, the Vatican's a a little tricky, you know. A lot of hoops. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. And it took you a long time to be able to get to do that. Yes, but it was worth it because you Five sit there days. and you feel part of, of this incredible uh, and revolution. And they've never been really seen by many people, I don't think. No, and they do keep them very, very under uh, lock and key. They do. On the yeah. QT. Uh, and people, people have to, as I did, go through a lot of hoops. So you just were fascinated. And so you were able to copy some of these things, which gave you the idea. So you understood the mathematical and the stratospherical Communication. I mean, I think you two, as you said, were communicating. I, I really felt like it. He was sending me messages. <laughs> that that sounds so funny. Extraordinary. Your family must be so proud of you. I mean, that's a well, huge job because you've been painting for so long, and this really sort of caught your eye, don't you think? I do. And somehow, I think the prior work too, the elements, just haven't. It gave it a place uh, to rest in terms of I've been going from the largest formations in the universe, the Sloan Wall, which is all galactic filaments to subatomic particles and trying to understand them and see how they all fit together and this and that. And so it gave me this kind of resting place to just actually understand where this came from. Before Galileo, there was no telescope that was used to look no. at the stars. Nor Except the pirate ships <laughs> were using to go, ahoy, land. I mean, that's about the only time I'm thinking, now wait a second, that's what they used. They had those little lugnets, you know, and they pull them out. I mean, you know, it was in the pirate movies. and the, Sure. And they would go, ahoy, land over there. And I'm thinking, well, what were they looking at? You know, because it, it was bizarre. And then the fact that this man took it to a completely different stratosphere is extraordinary because there was methods. And so how did he figure out the magnification part? You said they went to Venice and they used the glass, but how did he figure out? I think he just had this really engineer's mind to begin with. And he was also somehow so motivated to be known and supported in his work. He, He was dogged and he knew he had to have a competitive edge. And so when he saw this and he knew the capability and the and the uses that could be made of it, he ran with it. And he was damn sure he was going to be the first one that anyone knew who had a telescope. So he went immediately to the Medici, immediately to the That's Popes, good. immediately to the most powerful people who in Italy ran the world, basically. That's true. And, and promoted himself. He was right. Yeah. He just the fact was a great promoter. <laughs> yes, but so these paintings... And that you got to see them is is such a privilege. I mean, aren't you lucky? First of all, nobody, most people don't know anything about Galileo, number one. I was actually amazed that some people actually knew that he was imprisoned, house imprisonment, that there was a great controversy about him. I don't think people really know that. And the fact that in the early years, 1610, all of this was started way before we ever existed. And so I find that so fascinating about the intelligence of people in the, you know, the dome, for instance. Oh, the, 
oh, hello, it took 20 years for somebody to figure it out. They were like, and then somebody said, I can figure it out. They couldn't figure out how to do anything spherical. I mean, it's extraordinary the knowledge of what was back then. And as my one of my guests said, you know, we've become so tame now. You know, years ago, there was such a creativity and now we're so t- first of all we don't see each other as much because of the computers and everybody's behind the machine but there was such a sharing of emotions and di- dynamic intelligence which True. is unfortunately no longer around we don't have that kind of unless you go to school or you're going to a group you really don't have that communication with people about the knowledge of what happened years ago it's like the pyramids i mean you know people yeah. don't really talk about it but they're the most fascinating things in the world and they somehow figured it out. And so there we go. Galileo's figured something out. And you got on right, girl. Oh, well, now everyone's a specialist. Then everyone had to be a generalist. There was not this specialization of intelligence. And and they actually had these geniuses like Michelangelo da Vinci and, and Galileo who covered architecture, design, sculpture, art, math, physics, all of that. But it was because they had to. They had to be innovative. That's right. Now, I told you something you didn't know. If you take twice your wrist, it's your yep. neck. Uh, if you do twice <laughs> your neck, it's your waist. If you stand, if you, your foot fits from your wrist to your elbow, which is absolutely true, people can try this at home, it absolutely works. And if it doesn't work, you're overweight. <laughs> and if you stretch your hand from finger to finger, your first finger, that is your height. And if you can measure, the kids would love this at school. Yeah. You've got to do this, it works. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know anything about double your ankle I haven't figured that one out but this was the Da Vinci thing you know he did the, the, and man. it's true if you measure your neck twice your neck and I mean the fact that your foot fits between your arm and everybody's tried it and said you're right it works and so, I thought it was I think it's fascinating and a lot of people have never heard of this yeah I think it's basic uh, so unfortunately people are gonna go it doesn't work and you're I'm gonna have to say sorry you're overweight <laughs> but I think what you're talking about too is that there's this underlying uh, sacred geometry they call it That's that correct. that in nature there's there's definitely a mathematics and the golden mean and Phi and these things are in the human anatomy as in a sunflower helix, all of it. That's right. True, true, true. I'm sure the mathematics of it is there too. But it's amazing. We don't ever think about that because nature in itself is extraordinary. I mean, you cannot stop being amazed by what nature does on its own and how extraordinary it is and that, that you could capture these elements in your paintings over and over again. And you're doing the macro and micro organisms that are part of your work, and because they're all so interconnected, it's so interesting. And I it, just I feel so lucky to be an artist. It's really something that gives you so much pleasure because you get to pursue the threads and all those fine little links of things that you don't um, ordinarily pursue, or you don't have the impetus, or you don't have the freedom. With, with art, it's just anything, everything. <laughs> of course. I know, but I've seen your work throughout the years, and I've bought just about every single thing I can get my hands on. Now, of course, she's not got much left, but the new series is ready to go. Uh, I absolutely adore the flower you did, which was actually a photo with a painting that was shown at Swifties, which, of course, no longer exists. And Katie Tompkins was having a show for right. you. And we were all... At my, the first painting that... First show that Karen ever had, I was fighting with somebody about <laughs> your painting. I kid you not. I'm going, no, I'm taking it. He goes, no, I'm taking it. I storm over to Karen. She goes, I'm not getting in the middle of this. 
So I still have it, and I look at it with oh. great fond memories. It was beautiful, and I believe it's some watercolor as well. But I think there's a leaf in there as well, don't you think? Ah, uh, that I'm series sure. was that was wonderful because that's oh. when I got so obsessed with nature. Oh, yeah. was, I think it was one of your first series, one of your right. first shows. And then you had a wonderful show on Fifth Avenue. That was a, that was another one with that same series where I was kind of pursuing the architecture of nature exactly. Yeah, and there were works that had to do with a metamorphosis of things too, because as you know, each stage of a plant's development has a totally different architecture. So I was trying to gather all that and put it on the canvas. But what's fascinating is if you look at a butterfly when it's a little form, and then all of a sudden this butterfly turns into purple, yellow, green dots. It is extraordinary, and I saw this, I think, on YouTube, the evolution of the, I mean, just from the cocoon, and you see this little butterfly, you have absolutely no idea that it can actually blossom into the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. And so, again, the metamorphosis of things, look at the little baby birds, and all of a sudden they've got yellow beaks and red feathers and blue azure necks and you're like oh. how in the haiti high how is all this happening <laughs> again the nature if you look at it because we never seem to spend time looking at it is so fascinating absolutely fascinating the colors of the waters and the blue and the minerals and I mean, you know, having absolutely. been in Italy just recently myself and having had the joy of seeing all these wonderful wonderful formations of volcano or rocks coming oh out of the ground and then the waters turning completely ah. different color due to the minerals and the sulfur and things it's, it's just fascinating people really don't take enough time all this hectic over here to take a look at nature and to really absorb it and to enjoy it because we are part of that we're part of nature we certainly are, and I don't know how, but it seems that now there's so many different avenues of photography and video and television, and of any one of those mediums can portray so much in-depth information, and it's sort of just hard to take it all in. That's what I've been trying to, A, take it all in, and then encapsulate it. Exactly. So, so it's this balancing and trying to find the latest uh, understandings and each day going to you know the NASA website or what have you and seeing what's new is so exciting it's like being at the beach every morning and seeing something new and different too it's all evolving so quickly but that you could put it on paper is so exquisite because most people use photography they don't actually do what you're doing it's very I've never seen an artist that do quite what you do so how do people actually look for it or see it I mean I know you've had so many sold-out shows but where can they find it? Besides the website, is there an upcoming show that we could, that, or maybe the secret upcoming show that we're going to be hearing about? Or will it be on your blog when it comes through? Because you have some of these beautiful paintings right now that I've seen that are extraordinary. Is there any plan in the future? The biggest plan is to keep doing the work, and always I say that because you never know what shows next or what happens to you, but my plan would be to work at a place called Pioneer Works, which is Dustin Yellen who created it, and they have residencies there, and I would, that's the thing I'm kind of aiming for at this moment, because there's a residency program that incorporates a lot of technologies that they have available there that you maybe can 
your work can evolve even further because they have uh, ceramics, they have photography, they have printmaking, they have availabilities of technologies that you can utilize as, as your process changes. So I've been working, as I told you, on the hexagonal piece that incorporates sunspots, but I could make it in different materials. They have a wood shop, you know. You see, you've got mediums available. Yeah, and so that would be my dream, that now, where to have is that this? kind of facility. It's in Red Hook, and it's a magnificent space. It's enormous exhibition space, outdoor area. He in created America? It. It's in Brooklyn at Red oh. Hook. It's extraordinary. So that is what I'm aiming for with my, my work and my series, and now I really want to be a resident there. Absolutely. How long yeah. would you stay? I would like to stay six months. That's amazing. So you have to ask permission again. Oh, you have to apply, which I've done. Hey. Yes, and um, there's just, they have, you know, programs, they have workshops, incredible open studios. Wow. So they even have their own radio station. Hey, hey, I can come there visit. There you be. There you go. How interesting so, to be interviewing think, some of these wonderful artists. Well, yeah, it'd be and to get into their head. For you. Yeah, it's all about the mind and what you can see, and that's what's so interesting, especially about your work because it's so unusual. But tell me, if you do when you do one painting, first of all, I was absolutely fascinated. You actually wrapped them up in your suitcase without ruining them. I was just, how do you do that? I mean, I would have been hanging them with little pincers and walking uh. on the airplane with them hanging <laughs> because oil takes quite a long time to dry. Well, the thing is, I knew the time of it because I'd started the series before I went, so I knew how many days it would take to do each step. So I just timed it as best I could. And then these paintings are not very precious because I go over them and over them and over them. So I actually, as an artist, love mistakes. I like to incorporate them and they're challenging and they enrich the work. And I've always told students when I had students that you've got to use your mistakes. You can't like judge. It's going to help you in a way. So see where, where it's going. And you learn things. So even if it were dinged or something, it might create impetus to do something that you wouldn't have done. Have another level of process. And you paint in your studio here. Yeah, absolutely. But it doesn't smell like oil or anything. Oh, that's because good, we have huge windows, thank God. <laughs> is it, because yeah, it's usually a, it's very it's a very right, pungent smell. It right. can make you a bit dizzy, yeah. no? Yeah, and that's part of the reason I chose this space. It's got huge windows. So So you can open them all up and Absolutely. air everything out. And so how long does it take for them to dry, basically? Well, it, the process, this process takes months. That's what I that's thought. That's the problem. Because there's so yeah. much going with it. Because you, dr you dry one thing, yes. the gesso, and then you paint and you dry that, but then you dry for the gold leaf and then That's maybe right. you go back and put on more gold leaf and it keeps building so it just it's it's months months some months. of them are very movemented which i love like little craters and things yeah. and little holes and things <laughs> of that nature but really i mean the texture of them are extraordinary i know you're all you. are dying to know what i'm we're, we're all i mean i'm dying to see have everybody see the whole world but they're going to be on my website by the way at MissD'sLunacy.com and her work will be on my on display because you sent me some work. I did. So you can see what we're talking yes. about because it is absolutely fascinating and the size of them are so glorious and they are specifically very interesting. But I do want for you all to listen to her blog and you will, when you do have an actual show, you are going to tell everybody. And also the studio is very near where we're recording. It's 39th between 8th and 9th. And usually there are open studios at least twice a year. But if there's enough interest, I and several others could be coerced into doing it more frequently. And if, if by any chance anyone's in the neighborhood, please feel free to send a text or 
let me know. Wonderful idea. And so I know you taught in Oklahoma because you had a fabulous interview a few years ago and you had these wonderful young students who were fascinated and it was just wonderful. It must have been a wonderful experience. It was crazy. I, at the moment, I was obsessed with the physics of bubbles. and Oh, that's right. The, that the, was a great series. <laughs> that just was the perfect subject. I taught over... What? Oh, 900 people in chunks. So oh, we had really? lower school. We did a bubble mural that was paintings on paper plates of bubbles, and we had a bubble machine for the kids. And then in the middle school, we did a mobile that took over their entire open space in the entry hall that was mobiles that were three-dimensional bubbles that, they paint, uh, that I had them paint. And then the upper school was, again, the powers of 10, which I showed them, and they understood the whole from macro to micro, from the edge of the universe to the edge of the subatomic particles. So they did a, a triptych, and then we hung all these triptychs of their vision of what astronomy is about and what quantum physics is about, and then a self-portrait in their hand. They drew their own hand as kind of the meeting ground of those two extremes. And then those were hung all over the upper school. So it was it was amazing how productive these people were and how, how they took to it and got it. How exciting for you because they yeah. got it. I mean, usually it's like, now come on, you got it. <laughs> you know, do you get it? Do you get it? You know, it was so exciting. So the whole school, so it must have been like huge. It was pretty. Um, uh, uh, photos and yeah. and it must have been in the newspaper. And I've got you've got. I hope you have all sorts of yes. articles of that because those yes. are brilliant. And you had all the blues and the whites and. Oh, and 900 students. Well, I, we had to chunk it, and it took a yeah, while. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> but they, you know, they all produced art, and it all related to this to kind you. of hopefully, hopefully it opened their eyes to, we called it art eyes for the little ones, but seeing things as an artist and where you're you're really investigating and, and, and honing in with all your senses oh. into one thing that you want to express and then translate into art. And I loved your interview. It was great fun because he really understood your work. He was very, very professional, I thought. And he re- and you were like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're doing this. Yeah, you're doing that. <laughs> and I was, oh, wow. I mean, he had done his homework. So I was so impressed. And I'm just, I cannot believe these kids must be talking about you to this day. <laughs> Saying, well, Mom, I just did something really. And she's probably like, uh-huh, what, what? <laughs> I don't know if they knew what hit them, really, because it was great. <laughs> it really was. I can imagine. I made videos that had really contemporary music that incorporated the bubble theme and then incorporated my work so they'd understand how an artist does what they do. But it was all, and I'd, some of some of them might just let them dance if they wanted to this video. Or, oh, what a you know, great I'm, idea to incorporate music with your work. And I had to do a huge sort of a lecture about the work in this big auditorium. There were like 600 of them. So I got the work up really, really large scale. And then they were dancing in their seats. And it was good. They, I think they enjoyed it a lot. Oh, Karen, you've touched so many people. It was fun. It's just so wonderful, including and you. Me. Well, you've touched <laughs> I mean, so many you of do. us. And we're, I'm just so, it's such a pleasure to be your friend because I get to see all of your work. I get, I mean, I'm more spoiled than most people. But I'm just so proud of everything you're doing, and I cannot wait for all of us to be able to see this because it's going to go like hotcakes. I mean, tell me some of the names of the galleries that you've shown because I know Katie Tompkins who is... In Providence. She's uh, in Providence. She shows there and I know you've been MME in MME Fine Art. We had um, Blair Volts Clark. Right now the latest show was a month ago was at Leslie Heller which is wonderful. Um, 
that show was fascinating. It was curated by Eileen Yang, and it was called Splotch. And Splotch was the concept because of the paintings and the sculptures that um, were done by Saul LeWitt. And his work, the title Splotch, was the impetus to do the show. And so everyone's work, mine, the splotches, were sunspots. And Yay. others, they were you know sculptures that incorporated different modules and dimensions. So all the people in that show, including Zolowit, were somehow evoking this uh, process of creating layers and creating um, randomness within a pattern and a structure that the artist creates. Extraordinary. I think all that's sold. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. See, <laughs> mm-hmm. we, got, we got to keep up here. <laughs> we, so please keep up with KarenTompkins.com. Is that correct? Correct. And then keep up with the blog. Tumblr. It's Tumblr. called sunspots.com. I mean, because they're beautiful. Tumblr. They'll just Tumblr. really blow you away. And I was just very kindly handed a fabulous postcard of some more beautiful stars and sunspots. And I just think it was just so wonderful. And I just cannot thank you enough, Karen, for coming. Because I think what you're doing is extraordinary. And your brilliance and your photography and your microorganisms and your telescopes and just putting it all together is quite a feat, I have to say. It's like Aww. being an architect and building a house is basically Aww. what you are. Well, thank you. It has been a great pleasure to be here with you. Well, have we missed anything? I don't want to break it up. I'm, I'm sure we've covered more ground we than covered we everything? actually even intended. So this is wonderful. Oh, Karen, I will see you again. And please, my audience, do listen because she is quite spectacular and she's an artist of great, great prominence. So please look at her things. Not that we'll never run out of stories, but we did get the periodic table, the 118 elements, the power of 10, Galileo, the sunspots, interview, the teaching. Have we hit the highlights? We hit the highlights. <laughs> we hit the highlights. There are no lights. All right. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, And you Ms. will join D. me again. And again, as I say, when I close my show, lead us not into temptation. We can find it ourselves. God bless. Have a wonderful day.